Hey, lovers, my loves, my what the fuckery lovers. Hi. <laughs> so, do you remember how on episode 26 um, with Tantra Sex with Barney's body, Barney the purple dinosaur? Um, I asked him in the middle of it all if he can produce one of his clients one of his goddesses, because as we know, what the fuckery is about hearing firsthand from the people, right? And he did. I actually had uh, three options. One woman was in Mexico. I wasn't willing to travel that far. (laughs) So I opted for the one who lives in Hollywood. And she referred to herself as, get this, goddess T, and she is a yoni-licious. Now, her words. (laughs) I had no way of finding out for myself, not exactly interested in knowing for sure, but um, I interviewed her. Now, I have to confess, I have biased. In my mind, I couldn't help, and probably most of you were guilty of it too, and if you weren't, congratulations. In my mind, I had an idea of what she would probably look like. I had expectations, and I must say, when she opened the door, as you know, I bring my um, my equipment to my interviewees, and it's just part of the work I put in for you guys, and that's why I need your support and your love always to keep going. At any rate, I open this door, and the one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen is, is there, and she's goddess T. Not her real name, obviously. Um... And I and I just I had to ask her why and her explanations and her reasons and all of that were, my goodness, so interesting. Um, the kind of fuckeries people get into. It's just out of this world. Anyway, lovers, that interview is available as exclusive content for Patreon supporters. So if you are interested uh, in hearing more, and there will be more exclusive content created just for the Patreon supporters, head on over to patreon.com forward slash what the fuckery one word, or you can just search what the fuckery podcast. And uh, that that's available for you to hear. It's only about 26 minutes long. And um, yeah, let's just say you won't regret it. <laughs> now without, for, oh, one more thing. Oh, goodness. You guys. You guys, my loves, we have merch now. Yes, I can't believe I was going to forget that. I've got merch. You've got merch. Now, if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, certain tiers will allow you to, you will receive uh, merchandising automatically, like, you know, bags and um, traveling mugs. Oh, a very cool traveling mug that's kind of futuristic in look is there. Um, But in the merchandising, you can get iPhone cases, Samsung cases, and all these awesome colors. And it says, what the fuckery. And I like to say, if you can't say it, you can just point at your phone. And uh, that would explain so much to people if you're in public and you can't say what you mean to say. Mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, um, just fuckeries everywhere. And now, without further ado, before we go into the program, I want to say thank you all. Um, and I wish you and your family the loveliest and healthiest of holidays. And whether you listen to this episode a year from now, um, 10 years from now, or right now, it doesn't matter. No matter when you're listening to this, I want you to remind yourselves that I am grateful, grateful that you have given me this platform where 
I get to share what I am curious about with you. And actually, would love to hear from you guys about, especially about that episode on Tantra. Like, did you believe everything? What is your take? Like, seriously, um, the Anchor app, you can just hit that voice recorder memo and talk to me. The Anchor app is free. Send me an email, whatthefuckery at gmail.com. There are myriads of ways where you can keep in touch and let me know what's up. And uh, okay, here we go. When we're sick, we tend to go to um, a doctor. Depending on our beliefs, it may be a functional medicine doctor or a traditional doctor, Eastern, Western medicine. But when you've been heartbroken, have you ever wished that there was a love doctor? I know I have. What the fuckery is a love doctor? Well, we're about to find out. I'm Nadej August, your host. If this is your first time, welcome, and here's what you can expect. What the Fockery is a podcast about the things we hear about but don't know enough about. A series of conversations dedicated to hearing firsthand from the people whose lifestyle, truths, or concepts we struggle with understanding. The very things we should know about but are afraid to discuss. Our subjects and topics may or may not be mainstream, but our guests and sometimes experts are in it, living their truth whether we accept them or not. And if in that process we manage to bring clarity to you, dear listener, then thank you for being curious, open, and willing. In that vein today, I have with me the love doctor. His name is Barry Selby, and I hesitate because I wanted to say Barry, but I was quickly corrected. It is Barry, Barry Selby. He is a relationship attraction expert and known by his clients and friends as a love doctor. With over 30 years of training and experience, including a master's degree in spiritual psychology and 18 years of spiritual counsel as a spiritual counselor, he has helped thousands learn to love themselves and live in wholeness. He is the number one best, he, well, his book, one of his many books, uh, he has a number one best-selling book called 50 Ways to Love Your Lover. He helps singles and couples embody powerful principles for passionate and richly rewarding relationships. I'm going to stop right now. I have to know, how did you get the name <laughs> Love Doctor? Where do I begin? Yeah, where do you begin? <laughs> Frankly, it was what people called me. Um, I didn't take the name intentionally, but I was always talking about love and relationships. And so people would basically, um, they would nickname me the love doctor. And at first I was like, no, 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 no. And then I was, I could adopt that. Not as a, I'm a, you know, I'm not a doctor trained, but I'm certainly someone who has this vision view to see people's ways of finding love more easily. Mm. And the thing is that the trap people fall into is there in this whole paradigm about how love should be? And I help them see through the illusion of that to the real way of loving. So 
Uh, you are a spiritual guide and inspirational speaker. You help women find balance in love, life, and business. Mm-hmm. You are a champion of the divine for the divine feminine, right? Yes. So it sounds like, first of all, I guess the your clientele, they're mostly women. Mm-hmm. That's true. And what makes you a, an expert? <laughs> oh, well, let me start with the passionate champion piece because that's such a thing that people go, what does that mean? Um, often, I had a rather, I won't say spectacular, but certainly a scattershot experience of bad relationships for many years, like many of us do. However, I was on the personal growth journey, passionate about learning about life and how to be more effective. So every bad relationship was like, okay, so what have I missed? What am I doing wrong? What's not working? And after I went through an experience, this is one of the teaching points I share, is we went through three different relationships where the same thing happened with three different women. I knew it was about me, but I also knew something was missing in my understanding of relationship. And this was 2007 when I really became a um, student of the masculine-feminine conversation. I had never heard of it before. I mean, as naive as it sounds. But I also didn't know that being masculine was healthy because I had equated or conflated masculinity and machoism. And having come from a culture growing up where I was actually bullied in high school by other boys, being macho was something I hated. There was something so averse in my, in viscerally inside of me. I couldn't be macho. And at that time, my only other choice was to be a beta male. That was the label I put on it. So the women I dated were more masculine than I was because they were driven, they were successful, and they were attractive, powerful women. But I felt myself in balance with them. And what I realized looking back was they were in the masculine and I was in the feminine. Yeah, they were the alpha. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, to, to be honest, as a man, was fine because I could be lazy. They ran the show. They did everything. The last one of the three, which is why it's so clear to me now, she asked me out. She led the way in the whole relationship. And I didn't say no. I was fine with it. Were you attracted to her Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. But I was attracted also. And looking back, I'm going, I shouldn't have been. Like I I see in hindsight, 2020 hindsight, I see where I totally missed the ball because she was, she's attractive, but so not my type. Hmm. But she was at that time the what got in got inside of me to pull me in. So it's something that you needed from her. You know how we need uh, nurturing, so we find that person who's nurturing. So you needed someone who was more um, of a in leader charge. in charge. Yeah, exactly. So you find that. So then, what shifted? My first ex- weekend experience again. I've been on the personal growth journey for many years. So seminars and trainings are kind of part of my ongoing experience. As it and should be for most people. I would I like think. to say that, yes. I don't want to say you take everything or anything. The funny thing is, I'm very clear also, you need to have more than one teaching under your belt because when you have that one teaching that you first fall in love with, which I did, you become myopic in your view of love of any sort of personal growth work. So having had a smorgasbord of learnings, I was in a teaching by a company out of Vancouver called Warrior Sage. And they used to be in LA, used to workshops in LA as well. That's why I first met them. And this training they did was called Sex, Passion, and Enlightenment, which was based on David Data's work, who's one of my teachers as well. And in the workshop, we would have the men and women sitting separately. And coming from a Jewish background, that felt very reminiscent of being in synagogue <laughs> with men and women sitting separately. But what we would do is have dialogue, and then we'd go out to different rooms to do practices to embody the masculine for the men, embody the feminine for the women. At the end of the weekend, it's like the lights had gone on. I saw women for the first time, and it was en masse. I saw these women, in because we stood across from each other in the line, lines opposite each other, and I saw these women like I'd never seen women before. They were all 
to my eyes, embodying the feminine energetic, and I was in worship. Literally, at that moment, I fell in love with women as a whole like I'd never done before. Because I saw so you no the longer power. saw them as just whether they're attractive or not, whether you're attracted to them or not. You just saw something that is labeled as feminine power, feminine energy. Is that feminine majesty? Majesty. Because that was the thing I saw was su- it was such beauty in such a regal nature that I wasn't a place where I wanted to dominate or take it. It wasn't the thing, or to be afraid of it. It was just in reverence, and I, I believe it happens the other way too for the women to the men. Because we really did embody our authentic natural state. And that polarity is what's been fascinating me ever since. And that was 12 years ago. So I've been on this path for so long. And because I am so dedicated to women being honored, respected, like I had in that moment, my work with women is to help them remember that for themselves. Okay. This is a great segue because I'd like for you to explain or give a description of what is it that you mean by masculine energy versus feminine power or energy. Only because... I think in our culture, I mean, that is shifting now. We think of masculine equals the male genitalia, you know, Mm -hmm. the boy, and feminine is girl. Um, But it has to be beyond that, right? It is. It is. Okay. Describe, please. (laughs) I talk about the dance of polarity as one of my sort of phrases, because it is this dance between masculine and feminine. And right from the get-go, all of us human beings carry both energies inside of us. It's not something that we're one or the other, although in very extreme cases, there may be somebody who's 100% masculine or 100% feminine. We have a, we have a spectrum, like a scale, from 100% one to the other, simple as that. And somebody who's in the middle, 50-50, is generally more androgynous energetically and sexually speaking because they don't have a leaning one way or the other. Generally speaking, and I'm using straight rather than gay conversation here because mm-hmm. these are actually true for both, right. is that in partnership, one partner carries more masculine energy and the other partner carries more feminine. Generally speaking, the masculine is in the male personality, or person, male gender, feminine is in the female gender. The thing is that it's not about genitalia, it's an energy embodiment. And for men in their masculine, it, the, way I, the way I can define it in simple terms is masculinity is a um, sort of purpose-driven, focused, goal-oriented, hunter-type energy. The feminine energy is more of an inclusive, gathering, powerful energy that is, um, I would say like a benevolent warrior queen type energetic. If I was going to give it like a some sort of a label, like an archetype. She's the heart. She's the heart. Men can be the heart too because for me that I've learned more than ever because being in this work for 30 plus years, I've really discovered how to have an open heart, be caring and compassionate. But the masculine puts the spine behind it. Mm. So it's a guided and empowered All right, I'm going to interrupt you. I need you to help me better understand the idea of this feminine energy. Mm -hmm. I have found, this is very personal, that in my life, in light of what I've had to do, I am, I'd rather on the alpha side, right? Society has forced me to be that way, taking care of myself and having to do that. And it is so true because I do find that the men I attract tend to be men where even though I make the conscious effort of letting them uh, take the wheel, yes, it's challenging to get them to take the wheel because they happen to like to be told what to do. Unfortunately, that's true, yes. So- should we unpack this a little bit? Yes, let's unpack. <laughs> Please. So first of all, something you said at the beginning about that, that you've been required in a way to step up, to take charge, make things happen. There's nothing wrong with that. However, 
the what I've shared quite often in interviews and actually talked about it on my own Facebook Live for the last eight, nine months at least, is I'm realizing that the business world itself was created by men for men. So all the women coming out to business, being entrepreneurs, working in corporations, have had to really put on the, the persona, the, the suit of being a man to fit in, to conform, and to compete. So that is kind of unfortunate. You have to do that in the society. The challenge is that women tend to keep wearing that when they go to date, when they go into a relationship, when they go home. How you do one thing is how you do everything. In a way, yes. That's very true. Unless you make conscious choice change. Right. And that's part of why I work with women, helping them work with life, love, and business, because it's how do you bring femininity into all of those things? How do you? Good question. <laughs> what I realize more and more is that what women have done is attempt to fit into a very small box. To be blunt, we masculine men are in a small box because we're just single, focused, linear, track, step by step by step. When a woman is in a full expression, one of the things that women have, as one of my teachers, Alison Armstrong, calls it, have diffuse awareness, meaning that women can see more than one thing at once, can deal with more than one thing at once. Multitaskers. Mm -hmm. That's why when there's three kids running around the house, a man's scared, frustrated, challenged because he's doing one at a time, where she can see all three at the same time and keep awareness on all three because it's natural in the women's makeup so to speak so when a woman's attempting to be like a man she's she's containing that controlling that limiting herself and which is why for one thing it's not good for women's health because women are actually denying their own um hormonal health by trying to be like the men that's why women are having stressful is stress issues and hormonal issues and adrenal issues because they're not living themselves not expressing themselves fully as women and that's a friend of mine who's a woman of health coach is seeing that more and more because women have been copying the men not a good choice. But are the men don't seem to, mm, here we go with a debate, men don't seem to <laughs> step up into that traditional sense. I so mean, let me get to that. Yes. Yeah, okay. All <laughs> I'm, right. I'm just getting anxious. Yes. So second, second part you said about how you, um, I don't know if you said you actually asked the men out, but you do. Oh, no, I don't. Good. Okay. <laughs> but one of my biggest pet peeves is that with the, ex the explosion of and the expression of all the dating apps and dating sites and swiping and everything else, the the gentle or the genteel art of courtship has disappeared. It's gone. Yeah. And one of the simple highlights of that in my world was when a woman would drop a handkerchief. This is back in the medieval time. Well, not medieval, but like the Victorian times. Whereas a woman would drop a handkerchief for a man to let him know she was interested. So at least he knew he wouldn't get rejected out of hand. And then she would sit back and wait for him to approach. We don't do that anymore. I mean, I guess like Bumble, one of those apps. Yeah, has you thing swipe can, right, and right. the woman has to drop her handkerchief by saying, hello. Right, and then it's up to him to follow through and do something about it. Or not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear, it's, we both have a choice in this. <laughs> but the recognition is that we haven't found a way back to that in some ways. And so what men have become in some ways has been lazy, yes. At the same time, women haven't, been receptive to let man lead either women have been so entrained as i mentioned to compete in the world so when it comes to dating it's masculine energy in a woman versus masculine energy in a man there's no feminine energy around at all so it's attractive because it's almost like let's join the battle and let's fight each other energetically that's why sometimes sex is very passionate from a combative way versus a really intimate way hmm. that's another problem of relationships as well so when a man understands his feminine heart, and unfortunately more, me more men aren't awake yet to recognize what masculinity is versus being macho or being beta, seems to be the only two choices. That's what I was aware of for many years. When men remember their masculine heart, then they can be in a place where they can 
be present to a woman in her femininity and lead from a place of um, encouragement versus control. Leading from a place of, I'm going to go here, let's go, versus I'm taking you here no matter what. There's a, there's a fine line between the two because when a man really is masculine, he will lead a woman and she will let him when she trusts him because the biggest part, again, is trust because there are many men out there who don't own the masculine, who don't understand how to respect a feminine woman, so trust has to be earned. So when a woman can trust a man in his heart, in his masculine, then she will actually allow herself to be in a feminine because she can give up the control. Because it's really about women staying in the masculine because it's the safest thing to do because they don't trust any men to do it for them. That's one of the biggest challenges in our society. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, and at least I'm guilty of it, I think of my ideal man simply, in simple terms, is the guy who provides and protects. Mm-hmm. It almost seems that way. The idea of protection, I can trust you because you will protect me. Right. I can trust you because you will provide my children will not go hungry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. That's... Is that still pretty much what the the paradigm is? This is the dichotomy we have. Because yes, it's the old paradigm, but now we're in a place where a lot of women are now out earning some of the men. So when you say to protect and to provide, I feel that's the shift. Not to shift out of those values, but to shift what those mean. Hmm. providing the masculine-hearted center of the, of the family to provide a place that is safe so he protects the family. It may not be to be the biggest breadwinner or money earner, so to speak, because that's still by the old paradigm, but it's going to be the fact where he is a trustable captain of the ship, so to speak, where when she is at home, she can put her feet up and actually relax. In fact, one of the things that I talk about from one of my teachers says, when a man and woman come home from, from work, if they want to reconnect back to their authentic masculine feminine, what he would be wise to do if he comes home first is when she comes in the door to take her keys, her, her purse, her, suit, her business case, her shoes, lead her to the bathroom where there's a hot bubble bath running with, with candlelight and soft music and say, I'll see you in half an hour. Giving her time to reconnect because a smart man who's in the masculine knows that the things he can do for his woman to put her back in the feminine, not that he has to do anything, but how he provides a space for that. Mm. Because the biggest challenge that I've seen is that women don't also know how to treat a man, or should say how to be with a man who's masculine without trying to demasculate him. Yeah. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. That's, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 that's the thin line. That's the yes. dance, you know. So when I say I like to let a man be a man is I'm very aware of not emasculating men. I, I can't do that. I don't like seeing that or observing right. that. However, um, how much latitude do you give him before you say ah that's enough where he doesn't step into that place because that's the other part too is that again men haven't all woken up to being the masculine naturally so when you're the man who you think is masculine he may be perfect at it may not be but thing is do you say okay i'm just gonna trust him blindly all the way through or do you say let's give this a few minutes few hours few days and we'll see what happens the latter okay the latter i am willing to communicate and explain what my, my expectations are that's good um, but if the person doesn't <laughs> take directions well, um, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Waste your life? Um, no, far from it. Far from it, right? <laughs> right. You know, I think it's as we're talking too. I realize how reductive it is because a lot of women simply say, "Oh, men just want mommies. They're looking for their mommies." Mm-hmm. But I think that's what we're that's what we're really saying. Well, the feminine is a very nurturing energy, right. which can echo the feelings of motherhood however because it's also the sake when you know when in in the old 
paradigm where the where the warrior comes back from the field beaten and bloodied and dragging his feet, mm-hmm. she's the one that licks, t- the licks the wounds and nurtures him and supports him. So you can go back out and do it again. That's not a mothering energy. That's a compassion. And it's also a caring energy that his, his partner can provide that's not making him feel like a little boy. It's a little different. It's very different. Yeah. Okay. Very pragmatic here. Yes. I'm one of these people. I need concrete <laughs> stories. I need real people. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share, I'm sure you've had many success stories and clients, but is there a client that, you know, obviously respecting all the anonymity yes, of and course. all of that, a specific story, someone who came with you, with to you for an issue and they worked with you and now they are happily married, if that's their goal, or happily coupled off. I'm just looking back at my recent uh, client experiences and most of them actually are still single because the biggest thing was healing their wounds from their past relationships. They kept trying to go back and I was actually helping them cut the cords and be free to love themselves. So and step one, cut the cords. <laughs> yeah, well, in a lot of cases, yes. You know, it is look, it's looking in the rearview mirror is not a healthy way to do your relationships. Step two, withhold sex. Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think blackmail is the ideal way of being in a relationship. No? Not really, no. Mm, doesn't work. Lucy Strata. <laughs> it worked. It stopped wars. Yeah, but that's a global thing versus an right. personal thing. I get it. Yeah. Right, I'm um, joking. <laughs> Not really. For me, for most of my clients are, are single women. They're women who've been in a relationship, who want another relationship. But I, I caution them to run the next one because the challenge is we, as human race, tend to be on a, a hamster wheel repeating the same thing again and again. We don't learn. I know I did that. So I said I had three relationships in a row where the same thing happened because I didn't actually own my participation and go, okay, what am I doing here? That's not yeah, working. take responsibility. Exactly. Take ownership. Yeah, in fact, I, I I tend to tell men, please don't badmouth your ex to right. me because remember, you chose her. Or we're participating on some level. We are. Yes. I mean, by you choosing her, I mean you attracted her yeah. because we go to what we know and recognize, right? So the work is from you. It has to start with you. So- we cut the cords, the women cut the cord, and at which point do they now uh, step anew, attracting new, better, improved? Well, the simpler way I put it is, is, is in my coaching, there's three main areas I focus on, which is the past, the present, and the future. You know, it's small stuff. So the past is really that letting go of past relationships, and it means being able to cut the ties and also to find out what the underlying pattern is that drew them in the first place, because if you don't undo that knot, you'll keep repeating it. So you've got to go back and see, okay, what have I been doing in past relationships? Oftentimes that is a mirror or a um, repeat of what we saw our parents do. For almost every person, this is something I learned from Bruce Lipton's work, that we get imprinted very young with our parents' model of love and relationships, and then we carry it into adulthood without realizing it. So we've got to be willing to look back at our history to untangle that knot and let it go. So healing the past can be a bit deeper. It's not the easy thing to do, but it's worth doing because if you want to be free to love, this is the way through. The second part in the present, it's going to sound silly to say this, is you need you really have to learn how to be happy not needing a relationship. Mm, that's means the loving, loving yourself. yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Because so many people are tied up in the paradigm of codependency. You know, Harry, from um, was it Jerry Maguire said, you complete me, which is utter crap. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's really about when you love yourself fully, you don't need somebody so you don't have your hooks out trying to catch somebody because mm-hmm. it's not very attractive. So once you've done that and you start really owning who you are and appreciating, loving yourself, enjoying being single, then you're in the best place because you're not attached to attracting a healthy relationship. And for women especially, as I said, men and women are different. Women's power is in attracting in what they want. 
We're men are more of the hunting energy. We have to go pursue, chase, look for what we're working for, sorting through what's out there. The, the feminine is really about what is it you want to bring into your life? How do you want to attract it? And then put your energy into that direction. Okay. And then step three. Which is bringing in your, your future relationship. Yeah. By and having that attraction energy. Ah, okay. Sorry, I, I, I jumped from present to future. Yeah, without subtly, saying yes. uh, future. So let, me, so let me say that again. So loving yourself in the present moment to be single and happy as you are. And then the future is about how do you create the space, the energetic, to bring in what you want. So it's not just thinking about it. It's how do you embody the space? How do you create the environment? How do you actually walk into the future and bring in that love you really want? That's the future part. Hmm. Okay. Love, life, and business. When does sex come in? Whenever it's meant to. <laughs> I mean, is that, there that, is there is there a hard fastened rule no. to no, not the first night. Yes, it, the first night. Is there something? Okay, here's a better question. Yes. <laughs> is there something about uh, when men get to that quickly with you? So many women report that they get ghosted, or a guy goes goes ghost after they've had the the act, the, the sex act. after the sex. Yes. Um, so. What's the cautionary tale from your perspective? Well, just to be clear, I have seen relationships that lasted when they had sex the first date. I've also had people whose relationships died the first, the first date. So I've had both. So there's not hard and fast rule on that one. But what I've discovered or learned through what I've been, the work I've been doing is that we men in a masculine are goal-oriented. We're, we go for focus. We go for goal. But the thing about it is when we have the goal, we're done. The challenge in relationship for men is to keep having having another goal set up, another step, another focus to keep moving forward on. Otherwise, we put our feet up and we get bored. So for for men, unfortunately, especially younger men, the goal is sex. So whatever the hurdles are to get there, once we get there, great. But once we've had sex, we're done. So we don't know what's next. So having a clear understanding that there's something beyond it is what keeps us involved. So it takes... The, the, the act of sex, the first, and the thing for men is like, you know, we get to climax, we're done, easy, all over. For women, it's a total exploratory journey, more expansive, more growth, more depth, more of it, more ecstasy all the way through. We men are wired that way, which is one of the problems that we have in relationship because men and women are wired differently sexually and energetically. So we have to understand for us men and women have to understand for their men that to keep the relationship growing and become like step, step, step of goals is the way to keep men invested. That makes any sense? Hmm. Yeah, I got that no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a quizzical look of you keep men invested by going step, step, steps. Meaning that what I'm what I'm saying is that if if we don't have a thing to focus on, we tend to lose our way as men. Okay. So it's not like the woman's job to provide because we have to provide for ourselves too. Okay. But if you have sex up front without any sense of something beyond that, then we think we're complete at that point. And we'll, our juices will turn off. We're like, shut down, go, okay, I'm over now. Thank M you. Meaning the man does. Yes, wham, okay. bam, thank you, ma'am, I'm out of here. So what would be the next step for a woman if she does, in fact, you know, succumb to his uh, Adonis-like well, <laughs> looks? <laughs> well, unfortunately, that may be all there is to him. So you've got to be careful with that, just to be clear. It's really about do you have a vision beyond it? You know, if, uh, ideally, we go on dates, you get to know what each other are looking for, and it's more than just sex. If that's all it is, so be it. But if you want something more, do you have a vision about what you want to do together? And if that's the case, then sex is part of the journey. Not the destination and not the starting point. It's part of the journey. And if you're really honest with each other, you can speak to each other about, okay, so I'm very attracted to you and I want to have this experience with you, but also there's more that I want besides that. If there isn't, then you know already what's going on. So you have to make sure you're on the same page. In a way, yeah. It's a lot of conversation that have to take place these days prior to 
I don't, any kind of coupling, it seems. I don't know if that was not true before either. I mean, really, having oh, conversations is a thing we've lost the art of, to be honest. True. You know, when yeah. we had, when we didn't have texting, we didn't have apps, we didn't have messaging. We had to call each other and speak to each other. I tell you, that texting is a whole fuckery <laughs> because you don't hear the intonation. You don't hear what the true message is. It's so easy to, especially when you have expectations. When someone says, oh, sorry, I can't uh, some other time, it can sound so many horrifying Absolutely. ways, right? You we know. make up the sound of that in our head when it, we read it. Exactly. Like the yes. person goes, sorry, I'm, I can't. Like truly apologetic versus sorry, I can't. Not tonight. Right? Right. You and of course, emojis don't help either. <laughs> yeah, they don't because some people choose the wrong emoji. Like right. if they're like, sorry, I can't eggplant emoji. It's not exactly like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. Or it's so, a hand wave by, you know, that's not going to work either. And that's the thing is that we have lost the art of communication. Conversation... There's, there is a research about how something like 7% of our communication is verbal. 93% is our intonation, our tonality, Absolutely. our physical expression, our facial expression, mm-hmm. our body posture, all these different things. And a text has so little communication in it. Yeah, they're so just So unless words. it's asking for directions or I'm going to be five minutes late, texting doesn't have much of another purpose. It's just, here's my phone number, let's talk by phone. Yeah. Or when people say, well, I talked to you. No, you did not. I did. I texted. That is not a conversation. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Or I can't wait to hear your voice. Okay. Why are we still texting? <laughs> exactly. So, oh, gosh. Anyway. That'd be we a whole are, other conversation about texting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting times. You're doing something really cool. And I don't know if you want to share it with my listeners. And I, I think you should because it wouldn't um, cost anything. Your Facebook Lives, you do a Facebook Live, what, every single day almost? Seven days a week. So every day at what time? 5 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. I do a Facebook Live. I've done now for almost three years. I've got 900 and... And what do you do? Just four? pick an arbitrary topic that's related or... It's usually you something... share your day and what you had for dinner? No, no, no. <laughs> this is not Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, yeah, I know. No, my Facebook Live started actually after the election in 2016. Uh, one of my mentors had said that he wanted me to speak about what I was feeling because I was feeling really upset about the way the women weren't being respected. And so around November, December 2016... And he said, don't do YouTube videos because you can record them and edit them. It's like, I want you to go Facebook Live where it's raw, real, and present. So I did those. And for the first eight, ten broadcasts, which were every week or so, I would talk about how I want, wanted w- women to hear from a man that it's okay to be a woman, it's okay to lead, it's okay to step up, it was okay to give yourself permission, all these different things. And then after a period of time, it was maybe May, April or May that following year, a friend of mine who was a, another coach launched this 30-day Facebook Live challenge. And I thought, I'm in for that. Why not? Now, what she was intentionally asking people in the group to do was to go live once within 30 days. I heard every day for 30 days. So I started going daily. And then right at the end of that one, another friend of mine who was a video expert launched a 21-day challenge, and I kept going. So then I just kept going. It became going. a habit. Exactly. Look at that. Amazing you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit, people. And so the topics that show up are often based on something I heard in a conversation or a post I saw or a news article I read or something that's been bugging me for a few days. So, to well, it won't matter because this it can someone will hear this at any time, maybe right. as soon as it comes out or <laughs> 10 years from when it's coming out, it's out there forever. Uh, for instance, today's topic, what will it be? You have a Facebook I don't know Live. Yet. 
You don't know yet. Ah. I mean, sometimes my topic hasn't shown up until five minutes before I go live, which is almost almost scary. But I've but you show up yeah. anyway. Of course. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Well, feel free to discuss the podcast and the experience with this because, <laughs> I mean, uh, listeners know this about me. I don't prepare. I just sit, mm-hmm. look into your eyes, listen to you. And if things need clarification, I'll ask. And if I'm inspired, I just do that. So... Um, do share what that was like, maybe, <laughs> if you need a topic. Um, how can we, my listeners, get a hold of you? I will have all of this information in the show notes. Let's start with your Facebook Live. What's How do they find you on Facebook? Um, my personal page on Facebook right now is where I go live. I've been told I should move to my business page, but I haven't yet. So I go live on my, live on my personal, personal page, which is facebook.com forward slash my name, which is Barry Selby. Um, that's 5 p.m. Pacific time every day, unless I'm at an event or some other commitment like Thanksgiving will probably be later, that sort of thing, because I have other things So even on. Thanksgiving Day, you're going to go live? You Christmas don't think Day, he... New Year's Day, wow, Easter, every look day. look at that is commitment if I've ever seen any. In fact, because a friend of mine does a women's event twice a year, although this October was the last one she's doing. She's doing a new one next year, which I'll be part of. I was staffing her event, so I do my Facebook Live sometimes at 5 p.m. Pacific time if I could do it on the schedule or I do it after the event was over in the evening. So every day, yes. Sometimes it's 11 o'clock at night, but I will do it that day to keep my commitment to myself and to my audience. Yeah, and I've seen some where because people comment as they go along and yeah. they ask you a question and you're generous with your time in terms of uh, getting back to with people with Absolutely, pregnant yeah. questions. And that's the thing. So it is on my personal page. I do um, save them all to my business page because that's easier because my personal page has other posts on it and also put my YouTube channel. But again, as you said, having people interacting is much more fun. So if they watch me live at 5 p.m. Pacific time, then I can answer the questions right there. I can respond to them. But if they question or comment afterwards, I will respond as well. Barry, why does anyone need a love doctor? Because <laughs> I got to say, that title is so provocative. I'm I'm a little turned on right now saying love doctor. Well, thank you so I much. I need a, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, the title, my God, yeah. It's well, kind of cool. yeah. The truth, the truth Who is needs a love doctor? My, my biggest, um, my greatest compassion is for women with broken hearts. And so in some ways, I'm, I'm a, a doctor helping them heal their heart. So that's probably the best, easy, easiest way of saying it. You know, if you never say anything else, this is all you need to say. Thank you. We're shutting this down. <laughs> you just dropped the mic. Okay. Because I got a little emotional when you said oh, you help women oh. heal their broken heart. That's really my passion. It is, truly. Oh, this old heart of mine. I think there's a song by that title. It's been broke a thousand times. Not Quite really. Possibly. It's a good um, lyric. It is very good lyric. Yes. Well, Barry, I thank you so very much for being out there healing hearts. (laughs) It is my pleasure, my honor, and my service. And I need to find a male version of you. And what I mean by that is someone who does your work but focuses on men. Ah, I have a few people I can put in touch with you. You know what? Please do that. It'd be very interesting to have that bookend this because, Mm -hmm. you know, you are the love doctor to women in their Mm -hmm. hearts. And it'd be nice to have a love doctor for the men because men are deeply wounded souls who refuse to acknowledge. And to be totally honest, I would work with men if they were willing to work. For me, that's not been my alignment. Some men have that for them naturally. That's not my gift. My gift is with women, so I don't fight it. Okay. You know. All right. Shall we say goodbye? Where are you from? Ah, England originally. Where in England? uh, Outside London in in Essex, so the east side of London. Oh, Essex. I know Essex. Yes. All right. Well, would you say goodbye? Uh, Toodles, how do you say goodbye? (laughs) Peep, peep. I usually ask people to take care of themselves and I'll see them again soon. That's my Facebook Live sign-off anyway. Take care. We'll see you soon. (laughs) Bye, lovelies. I'll see you soon. You can say goodbye. Goodbye.
<laughs> Why so curt? 